Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demana, and today, for only the second time in Traveler's Blueprint history, I am alone for the podcast. Elliot is off in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in Maine in Acadia National Park on a little vacation with his wife. He is off the grid, no service. I am pretty envious, uh, but nonetheless, I am here today with you and I'm going to bring you some of our favorite articles from the month of August. This one is going to be short and sweet, so um, bear with me. Uh, we're going to run through some of these I found pretty interesting. First up, I'm going to bring you through how I plan for the trip that I'm leaving on in two days. I'm going to Rome in two days, and there were quite a few hurdles. Um, nothing major, nothing that you can't handle, but there are obviously additional hurdles that you need to go through. And uh, spoiler alert, they tend to change seemingly by the minute, but definitely like a week by week thing. It has been uh, exciting, I guess, to say the least, making sure I'm prepared to go on my trip with my wife and daughter next week, or I'm sorry, in, in two days. So uh, that's what we're going to get into first. I'm just going to bring you through that list. Next up, really interesting article. A five-year-old kid completed the 2,100-mile Appalachian Trail in 209 days. Was he alone? Was he with his parents? I guess you will have to tune in to find out. Uh, next up, no one comes here anymore. The cost of... of uh, the human cost as COVID wipes out tourism. This is an article um, specifically discussing locations, tourism, tourism locations off the beaten path that are now suffering a lot more than I guess you can say the major tourist destinations like Rome, uh, London, Paris. These are locations in South America, in um, in in Asia, and so. There are a few stories of people, specific people that work as tour guides there that I'm just going to run through and maybe offer some advice on how you can help. Next up, the Candela's high-performance, long-range, electric-powered, hydro-fooling speedboats are going to revolutionize boat travel just like Tesla revolutionized the car. This is an Elliott article. He's the one that added this. I decided to keep it because I found it really interesting, and we're going to get into how this new type of technology is going to change boat travel. And then lastly, something that I do want to discuss, something that is pretty important to me that I find very interesting um, is how the world is slowly shifting away from the five-day work week and towards the four-day work week. I know that uh, at face value, it isn't technically like a travel um, topic, but allowing people to work less and spend more time with their families or work remotely opens up the doors for people to do a lot more things, including travel. And so that's why I'm tying it into the podcast today. Before we get into that stuff, very quickly, if you have a moment to give us a five-star review, that's the easiest and probably the best way for the show to, to help it grow. So if you like us, if you like me, if you like what we do, and you want to kind of give us a nudge, you know, farther down the uh, the path towards recognition, then a quick like, a quick five-star review is absolutely the best way to do that. And we post all this stuff on Instagram. So every, every week we post at least three posts um, about whatever episode we have released. And that's a really cool way too, to follow along, see a video clip of what we do and, uh, and just stay in, just stay connected with the podcast. Um, what else do we have going on? We, you know, the, this is the, the usual stuff. We offer travel help through video courses and a travel journal. Both are for sale on our website. The video course, it's a five-part course, and it just 
it's it's broken down in a way that allows you to essentially build your own itinerary, become your own travel agent, whether it's understanding how to navigate a city or booking cheaper airfare, understanding how to sift through online blogs and research. That's why we designed it. And it's just the process that I personally use for planning my own trips. And I just turned it into a video course with Elliot and, and put it on the website. Um, everything that, that you're going to find in that course is exactly how I've been planning my own trips for years. So maybe it will be work. Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe you like that to do it that way too. And if so, I hope you enjoy it. The other one's just the travel journal that just allows you to put all the information you get from the video course onto paper. It's a journal slash itinerary planner. So feel free to check that out. And, and it is a great way to support our podcast. Um, we don't really make money doing this, so that would be, I guess one way to to just push us along a little bit further because we love doing this. Support for the Traveler's Blueprint is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Gotta love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, which is right here. This is the Lawnmower 4.0, and you did hear that right, is the 4.0. Join over 2 million men, including Bob and myself, worldwide, who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com. So preparing for this, one term came to my mind, and that was nether regions. And it, it sort of sent me down this wormhole of the word. I was curious, you know, as a travel podcast, as a podcast that uh, focuses on culture and geography, I was curious to know whether or not nether regions was related to the Netherlands, the country. Is, is it? So no, not really. So they, they oh, share the prefix. Right. They, they share the word nether, which refers to a region at its lowest or furthest point or part, furthest part of a place, okay. especially with the allusion to hell or the underworld. Now, removing that second part or, or not thinking about it right now, you kind of understand how the Netherlands came to be because they are at the, they're at topographically at a low point right near a, the Rhine River Basin. Mm-hmm. And now relating to the nether regions, it's a low point, I guess, of the body. And so there you go. You have some interesting information. All right. Well, um, thank you for that insight, Bob. Yeah. And, you know, we've traveled together and I always thought I was a pretty hairy person and Amanda can vouch for me. Uh, but in our time traveling together, I've learned that you probably are hairier than I am. And what is it like with this? I mean, I know I've loved it. I mean, it's got the light. It's got the ceramic blade. It just makes things so much easier. <laughs> so, so thanks for noticing my hairiness. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I've, I've been a hairy guy for a long time since, you know, my, my teenage years. I, I grew hair pretty quickly. And since that time, I've been trying to figure out ways to keep it in check. I, I shave my chest, my back, my head, my beard, <laughs> like everywhere, you know. I, I, I like to keep it clean and Manscaped sent us this and it's perfect. It's lightweight. The charge lasts forever. The light. The light is one of my favorite aspects of this tool because I've been shaving for a long time and I've never had a light attached to the buzzer itself. So when you're shaving and you have this spotlight shining on you, you can actually see the differences in. Yeah, it makes it so much easier. It's such an incredible idea to add a light. And simple. Um, And then again, as a traveler, it's perfect. You can throw it in your bag. The, the thing itself charges and lasts for a while, but then the wireless charging port is also charged and you can then use along your trips, um, making it for a pretty extended period of time where you don't have to worry about finding an outlet, which as a traveler, we know it doesn't always come around as often as we like. 
And speaking of traveling, this has a travel lock on it, so you can actually prevent it from turning on while you're traveling, especially if you're throwing your bag around into an overhead compartment, onto a bus or That's a trunk. Big. That's big, yeah. yeah. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, because how often, I, I, I can't think of any specific items, but you, you shove some your bag in somewhere just to get it on the plane or the bus. Toothbrush, old and trimmers, yeah, you turn your, all exactly, that stuff. Exactly, yeah. you hear it going, you're like, ah, yeah, exactly. So th- that seems to uh, be avoidable now with this this new 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using code TTB at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TTB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. Your Your balls balls will thank thank you. (laughs) Let's get into the podcast. So first up, my own personal experience. So like I mentioned, I'm going to Rome in two days. There were some hurdles to go to jump over in order to make sure that I'm completely ready. Now, the first one is I'm booking through, I booked my flights through American Airlines. American Airlines, their website was a great resource for finding information on updated travel restrictions. And then uh, essentially as a guide on, on clarification on what I needed, what type of documents I needed to get approval to board the plane and enter Italy, they have an app that they associate with called Verify. If you download the Verify app and update your status, so like your vaccine status, your flight details, when you're flying, who you're flying with, they they then you know make force you to go through the process and and list everything you need, and then at the end of it, they give you like this check of approval, you know, ready to fly, and it like turns green, and it gives you peace of mind. I mean, if you use that app, you definitely are able to just easily in checklist form, kind of just go through it all and make sure it's all up to date. Now I did all that and, and I had the re- approval to fly. And then the European Union decided to change the rules on uh, United States citizens entering the country and they added an additional hurdle. So prior to last week, if we were vaccinated, we were good to go. We could enter Italy um, as long as yeah, and we had to bring the CDC card as proof. Now, in addition to being vaccinated, and now you have to be vaccinated, you also need a negative test 72 hours before your, your departure. So now I have tests scheduled to, to depart to Italy. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot and it's ever-changing. And I don't know if international travel is for the faint of heart right now. It is for, it, like, it's doable um, as long as you're willing to go through these steps and and be prepared to change on a very short um, time frame. So keep that in mind. And I just want to run through that one more time. So the American Airlines website, great resource. So I'm assuming other airlines, major airlines, their websites are probably decent resources as well. And at a minimum, the their websites can probably provide links for, for where you can get additional information. Again, the Verify app, that was a American Airlines partnership. Um, so I have that downloaded and I have my information in there. The This is a big one. So the EU digital passport, pa- I'm sorry, the EU digital passenger locator form. This form is required for you to enter Italy. And I believe anywhere in the EU, that would make sense, right? So make sure that you have this form. And it, it was super easy to find online, super easy to, to fill out and then print. So not a major issue, but just you have to know that you need this stuff. Um, then to come back into the United States, 
you do need to have a negative test. Now, there are a few ways you can do this. For Italy specifically, I looked it up. There are pharmacies throughout the city of Rome that I could bring my family to get tested 72 hours prior. That would give us the negative results, hopefully, and then come back. What I opted to do because I'm traveling with a toddler is get these, um, get these, get, I, I had COVID tests mailed to me. I'm bringing them with me. And then towards the end of my trip, 72 hours before I leave to come back to the United States, I'm going to take them in my hotel over Zoom with like a doctor through the app and get the negative results, hopefully, and then fly home. Um, keep in mind that if you test positive on your return, you will have to quarantine in Italy for additional two weeks. I am unclear on whether or not those costs come on, fall onto you or if they're covered. I think they fall onto you. So be prepared for that, right? So be, have contingency plans and be prepared to test negative. Um, and then I, I think the last one is that the, I, I bought through Amazon vaccine passport holders because apparently you're going to have to take your vaccine card out to do things as simple as drinking an espresso in Italy. They're requiring it for all things like that. So um, yeah, have it with you, keep it safe, keep it in good condition and don't be stressed out about having to show it or don't care, you know, you're in Italy. It's not that big of a deal. At least I don't think it is to just show this card to be able to navigate through the city. I plan on just being incredibly appreciative of the fact that I'm traveling during a global pandemic, um, safely doing so with, with the appropriate vaccines and, um, and documentation and negative tests. All the people traveling with me will also be required to do that. Masks are going to be required. So I do feel safe with the overall travel process here, but be prepared to jump through these hurdles, to take them on. The obstacle is the way, as, uh, as, as the great stoic Marcus Aurelius says, and then be prepared to um, uh, have to deal with constant changes because you never know when you finally figured it all out. You finally have all the documentation in order, and then it gets changed. So get ready for that. All right. Next up, this five-year-old boy I mentioned in the intro, he hiked 2,100 miles in 209 days to complete the Appalachian Trail. Spoiler alert, he was with his parents. He did not do it alone. And it, it is a pretty great story. So uh, I, there wasn't a whole lot of information in it, but the, the husband and wife, Josh and Cassie, it, it seems like they got married and they wanted to do a mini um, honeymoon. Maybe they couldn't travel due to COVID, whatever the reason may be. They wanted to do a, a mini honeymoon and they decided to take on the Appalachian Trail. They seem to have been big hikers to begin with. And so they hit the trail with their five-year-old. I love it. He got the nickname Little Man. So that must have been his trail name from other hikers on the trail. And they completed it 2,100 miles across 14 states. Now, I have a toddler um, who's three now. We took her hiking when she was about two. It was, it was only 12 miles and she screamed and cried for six of them. So I can't, I can't imagine 2,100 miles. If, if anybody's listening to this with a toddler, I'm sure they can relate. It is a, it is a, it is a big undertaking. I mean, people think I'm crazy for taking my toddler on an airplane to Italy. So, you know, to each his own. Um, I, I, I can only imagine the, the logistics behind planning a trip like this. It, it is, it is admirable. Um, so to quote, uh, it doesn't say whether this was the husband or the wife, but it, they said that it started out as a joke and we decided maybe we, it could be our mini retirement and hike the Appalachian Trail with Harvey. So I'm sorry, I said honeymoon, but it appears to be retirement. 
we started training retirement with a, with a two-year-old. Wow. Or with a five-year-old. That's uh, good for them. So we started training him at a young age to hike and camp, and he took onto it really well. The journey began in January when Harvey was just four years old. He turned five before the family completed the hike last week in Maine. Good for that guy. I hope there is a huge hiking uh, future ahead of him. So next up, we are going to get into the article that I mentioned at the beginning about the these destinations off the beaten path destinations that are now really suffering due to the lack of tourism from Bolivia's Lake Titicaca to wildlife tourism in Nepal. This is affecting um, everybody in the travel realm, and then it just kind of drips down into everything else. So the UN World Tourism Organization revised their warning in regards to the impact COVID is having on tourism and said that international arrivals could fall up to 80%, equating to a billion fewer tourists and the worst crisis in the history of the industry, 1 billion fewer tourists. We are back to levels of travel we saw 30 years ago. Insane. Um, they're estimating a loss of more than $4 trillion to the global GDP by the end of 2021. And developing countries are predicted to take the biggest hit with Central America suffering the most. All right. Uh, so Chitmon National Park in Nepal. This is one of the four stories that this article broke down. And this article is was written by The Guardian. Uh, if you want more information on it, check it out. You can get the link in our show notes. So um, Ashish Kadiaria, uh, he's 25. He used to be a guide at Chitwan National Park, uh, one of Asia's top wildlife sanctuaries. It has Bengal tigers. It has one-horned rhinos. And he lost his job, as did most people in this park. Went online to find a new job and ended up meeting a recruiter that, that gave him or hooked him up with a job at, in the United Arab Emirates, patrolling the grounds of a luxury hotel. And he's miserable. Um, you know, so in, in the year before the pandemic, Nepal went from almost 1.2 million visitors, including 60,000 from the UK alone. But then from April to December 2020, just 9,417 arrived. That's devastating, man. And yeah, that's, that's hard to, to wrap your head around. So the head of the Nature Guide Association there says that there are about 500 professional guides in Chitwan. When asked how many foreign visitors he has seen since April, he, test, he hesitates and then answers three or four. Okay. All right. So the, the next destination is uh, Santiago de Ocola, Bolivia. And this is a 180 family village on the shore of the sacred Lake Titicaca, right near La Paz. So we actually had a guest on from La Paz who operated a boutique there. This seems to be a beautiful area. And we touted on that conversation, not only how beautiful this destination was, but how great it was because so few tourists came there that you'd get this beautiful, um, you know, more authentic, pristine experience of that region of the world than something, let's say, in Peru or even Colombia. Now, many of the townspeople have left without an income, surviving on what potatoes, quinoa, and beans they can grow as their families have done for generations. Lake Titicaca is one of Bolivia's top tourism destinations, and um, 1.5 million visitors went there in 2019, 
Last year, just over 375,000. Another, another destination similar is the Pamir Mountains in Tajikistan. Again, similar numbers where you have millions of people going there one year and then just several hundred thousand or less over the, the course of the pandemic. Um, so a guy who runs a tour company there is quoted as saying, I miss tourists. When they came to us, we did not feel cut off. On the contrary, I felt like we were part of this world. Tazakistan is a very interesting country in that um, it's, it's actually located next to Afghanistan and Western China. And I mean, I don't know, really know anybody that's ever been there. So I can't imagine that it's, it's this significant tourist destination to begin with um, and then com being completely cut off uh, after you built a small economy around tourism has to hurt pretty bad. And then, and then the last article or the last story within this article is Kate McClear in Lake Malawi. Again, um, just talks about a 48-year-old man who made a living off of selling just crafts to people, to tourists as they came through. He made about $130 a month selling this stuff and was able to put his children into private schools and live a really great life. Now he's, he's quoted as saying, I don't know what to do. Nothing is working. I have five children and look after two orphans. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, um, it's the state of the world right now, isn't it? And obviously it's not just the travel industry, but because we're a travel podcast, this is, this is what we're focusing on. So what can you do? What can I do? Uh, I think, I think we can travel as soon as we feel safe. And, and like I mentioned with my own trip, there are ways and processes to feel safe. So if I were you and I am you, you know, I'm a traveler myself in, in a similar fashion. So I look at a country and you can see what their vaccine rate is. You can see what the processes are for handling COVID. You can decide for yourself if the country is doing enough in your opinion for you to feel safe once you get there. And, and if it does, if you do book the trip, because you're never going to enjoy fewer crowds than you will today. Um, that's something that I'm looking forward to in Rome as I'm reading that these are historically low crowds for that city this time of year. And these locations that don't get a lot of people to begin with, you could have pretty much close to yourself. Again, I would consider safety first and make sure that you're willing to put yourself at, at some risk, right? Um, make sure you're healthy enough to do this. Make sure that you you clearly understand what you're getting yourself into. But I do believe, and I might be criticized for this, <laughs> that there is a safe way to travel today if you're willing to um, meet those meet those hurdles that we talked about earlier. All right, this this Candela boat, this electric boat that we have. So. <laughs> Again, I'm not uh, an EV electric vehicle wizard, uh, Elliot is, but this is very impressive. So they essentially were struggling to come up with electric vehicle technology for a boat because of the friction it faces in the water. The, the workaround appears to be that they lifted the boat three feet above the water and it, it, it looks odd. And if you've seen um, the, the, you know what it's similar to like the water boards that you're seeing where you have that extension or that propeller that goes into the water and the person like hovers, like, is it a water hoverboard? I'm not a big water sports guy, but they hover over the water and they kind of fly through. That's what this boat looks like. And I'm really, the thing that really 
struck me with this is I'm curious about the feeling of being on a boat moving at a decent speed and not feeling the crash of the waves and not feeling the friction of the water or the rock of the boat because you're going to be floating in the air. I mean, technically you're not floating in the air. You're, you're, you know, there's propellers in the water, but that, that just seems incredible to me. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I would definitely, if you're, if you're someone that wants more information on this, click the link in the show notes and read through it yourself. Because again, I'm not, I'm not someone who reads about this stuff very often. This would have been Elliot, but very interesting. And then lastly, so Spain, this is something that I do read a lot about. <laughs> Spain is going to become the first country in the world to take a four-day work week. Now, we just talked about Iceland doing a trial. And again, this is kind of a trial. So the title of this article seems a little fishy. I didn't dive in to see who the first country is and all that stuff, but I know New Zealand, Iceland, a lot of countries have been throwing this around. Regardless, uh, they're moving forward with hopefully getting to a permanent four-day work week. And the, the most interesting part of all of this is that they're not noticing a decrease in productivity productivity at the company. And I mean, I hope this is the future. I'm a big work-life balance guy as a traveler, as someone who enjoys spending time with my family. I am not um, the 80-hour work week guy, you know, working to get the super nice car in the driveway. I'm more of the be comfortable and be happy with your family and ex- like live through experiences type of guy. And so I obviously, I mean, this is something that I'm, I'm hugely behind. I'm currently reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. If you have never read that book, I highly recommend it, which provides insight. You know, it, it starts off with just kind of going through, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, aren't I? Um, how to work less, but be more productive. And it sounds crazy, but it is possible to do. Um, it's about time management and it's a really good book. There's actually a chapter in there on how you can talk to your boss to work remotely. And ultimately, like that's what I like about the four-day work week where the industry is headed, where you're, we're seeing a shift in in work-life balance. And in America, not as much in Europe for sure. And so I think it's just a matter of time before it picks up here. And I think as the older millennials, so I'm technically a millennial and I'm 34, am I 33 or 34? I think I'm 34. So I'm 34 years old and I am like on the end of the, like the older spectrum of millennials. I think the oldest millennial is like 39. So we're kind of getting into these senior management positions. And I think that as millennials pick up those senior jobs, you're going to see the shift because, because we know, because millennials are the greatest generation to ever live. Just kidding. Don't, don't tweet mean things at me. It was just a joke. All right. So <laughs> that, that is, that's the podcast today. This month coming up, we have seriously incredible guests. So Alice Morrison, she talked about her 8,000 mile, 8,000 mile bicycle ride through Africa, getting chased by elephants. She talked about her, she walked through Morocco. She is called like the Indiana Jones for girls. She has her own podcast. Like she was amazing. Um, And that was a great, great, great conversation. Next up, we have Emily Ford. So she hiked 1200 miles on the Ice Age Trail in in the Northern uh, North America. So Incredible conversation again. And then this last one, this is probably, again, a first for the show, but we're not sure what we're going to release at the end of the month. We may have a travel around table episode ready to go called the travel photography blueprint with um, four travel photographers that really is, is, is gearing up to be a great conversation or 
We're actually going to bring Elliot on and him and I are going to talk about his recent trip through Acadia and run through his itinerary and give you, you know, you listeners an, an idea of how maybe how you can plan your own trip there. So that's it. Thanks for listening to me. Just me ramble today. We do miss Elliot. I miss Elliot. So next week he'll be on the show. If you want to contribute to the podcast, again, the easiest, cheapest, best way, honestly, is to just give us a review, leave us five stars on whatever it is you're listening to this. But we also do have a Patreon and you could donate as little as a dollar a month. That's like, you know, less than a cup of coffee a month. And we put that straight to the programs, the editing softwares, the posting programs, all that stuff that we use and pay for. That's what it goes to. So if you want to consider doing that, we'd obviously, we really, really appreciate it. And, uh, but don't feel obligated. Don't feel obligated to do that. Spend it on travel. If you want. Um, all right. Uh, thank you again for listening to the Travelers Blueprint podcast and tune in next week.